0: Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, "'You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, "'because you were slain. "'And with your blood you purchased for God "'persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. "'You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God.' And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels. Numbering thousands upon thousands. And ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom, and strength, and honour, and glory, and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honour, and glory, and power, for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Maggie. Fantastic. And really good to to hear it read and then to look at it once we've heard it read. I think that was an excellent suggestion and particularly helpful. And if you can keep it open for a few minutes, that would be great as well. Um, It is still just about New Year, isn't it? Uh, It's the second time I've seen some of you in, in... 2023 the first time for others i wonder how your new year's resolutions are going this year whether you're the kind of person who who likes to make them who takes it seriously i saw an article in in one of the the papers last week which had 23 resolutions for 2023 and if you've got as many as that then you're doing better than i am i I have to say although when i looked uh, many of them were a little bit kind of ordinary it has to be said it had things like make your bed every day um And get outside more and uh, things like that. Uh, Maybe you're the kind of person who who loves coming into a new year with some resolutions but by the 8th of January has already given up and uh, I I imagine there might be one or two of you who feel a bit like that here. Uh, There was also an article by the way I saw last week saying it doesn't matter if you keep your resolutions or not. What matters is that even when you don't you keep making new ones. And don't stand still. And I think there might be some some wisdom in that possibly. Possibly even some spiritual wisdom. Recognising that we are likely to get things wrong along the way. Uh, But whatever we may have resolved around kind of subjects like our health and our hobbies and our family. And and those kind of things for the new year. I think there is always something of an opportunity for Christians as we turn over the calendar. To just be reminded. And uh, who it is we worship. And to, to recommit ourselves to focusing on him in the coming year. Um, some people like to start a new Bible reading plan at the start of the year. Uh, maybe you've done that. Perhaps it's a time just to, to just catch ourselves and recommit to, to being here week by week with God's people as we worship and encourage uh, one another. Uh, maybe to join a home group for the first time or maybe to rejoin a home group or to, to sign up for Hope Explored or, or something like that. Um, but whatever you may have resolved to do or may not have resolved to do, it all starts with keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ as we start the new year. That's why we come to his word week by week, this book which speaks of Jesus from start to end and points us to him wherever we look and we're going to be doing it later on this term as we go through some, some books from the Old Testament and the New Testament. But as a kind of one-off as we start the year, just following on from from the reminder we had with Dick last year of the character of God, we've got this passage in Revelation 5 which takes us right to the heart of the identity of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. So let's have a look at that together. Uh, You may be thinking as you sit here in church this morning that Revelation feels a little bit weird. Uh, I know that's what some people think when, when we come to this book. Uh, and maybe that's you, it is full of strange images and scenes, isn't it? And it generates all kinds of responses. Some Christians get obsessed with the book of Revelation and end up down all kinds of bizarre rabbit holes of interpretation and predictions about the future and things like that. Um, Other Christians largely try to avoid the book of Revelation and keep well clear of it and say, let's just, let's just stick with the things that we know, if that's all right. Um, I want to say neither of those is the best approach to take. It is important. As the very first verse of the book of Revelation says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's his gift to us. And one of the key starting points to understanding the book of Revelation is to recognize that it's not primarily about predicting the future Um, Now, there is some of that, especially in the final chapters, but it's not the main thrust of Revelation. Most of all, this is a book which shows us what is happening in the present, the things that we can't always see. This series of visions, pictures, uh, metaphors, is like a curtain being pulled back. Uh, In the Lord's Prayer, we pray week by week, don't we, that the Lord's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the normal run of things, of course, we can't actually see heaven, can we, with our own eyes. We cannot see what is happening in, if you like, God's dimension of present reality. For the time being, much of that is hidden from us until Jesus' return, the coming of the new heavens and the new earth. But right now, in the present, for the benefit of all his church, especially those first Christians uh, who Jesus sent this to, who were persecuted in the Roman world, Right now, in these chapters, it's like a curtain is pulled back so that we get a glimpse of what is happening in the throne room of heaven even while we meet here on a Sunday, even while we go to work tomorrow and all the different things that we do. Now, sometimes when a curtain is pulled back and things are revealed, it can be very disappointing, can't it? Um, you might you may well have seen some of you may have not seen it for a long time the film The Wizard of Oz do you remember that one it's often on at Christmas don't know if it was this year or not and there's that moment isn't there towards the end of the film where Dorothy and the others finally end up in front of the wizard and there's this kind of great big head and this voice booming out and lots of smoke but Toto the dog uh, not deliberately I think or maybe it is deliberately and anyway he ends up pulling the curtain back and suddenly all is revealed And there's just this bloke operating this machine, trying to look impressive, and that's all there is to it. There is no grand wizard at all. And Dorothy says something to him like, you're a very bad man, I think. To which he replies, I'm not a very bad man, um, but I am a very bad wizard, or something like that. Unlike that, when Jesus draws back the curtain on the throne room of heaven, it is not disappointing. We um, We are not left thinking, oh, is that all there is to it? Quite the opposite. We get this glimpse of God's sovereignty and His power, and this encouragement that, hey, this is a God who we really can trust. And the reason why this matters is because we get to see not just these you know some promises of a distant future, but a glimpse of what is happening now out of sight much of the time. If you glance back to chapter four just quickly, the throne in heaven, which is described from verse two onwards, represents God's sovereignty right now not just at some future point point. and in chapter 5 this worship those great words that we just heard uh, from all the hosts of heaven it's 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 worship coming from all the earth the, the living creatures in verse 8 represent the whole of creation the 24 elders represent all of God's people 12 tribes and 12 apostles and their worship of Jesus is happening now. When we sing here and when we worship him, we're joining in with the worship of heaven. And at the heart of it all, the key to what this passage says to us about Jesus is there in verses 5 and 6. As John is told, do not weep. And he's pointed to the God who is the lion and the lamb. Um, First of all, uh, there's this scroll back in verse 1 that's rolled up and sealed with seven seals. It contains God's plan for the world, his purposes for the salvation of the world. The seven seals show that at the moment it's completely sealed up, which means that his plan is not only unrevealed, but it's not carried out. The angel asks who can open it, but there's no one in the universe who can, which means God's plans cannot be executed. They cannot be carried out. No protection for his suffering people. No judgment of of what is wrong and what is right. No ultimate triumph. No new heavens and new earth. It's no wonder that John weeps, is it? But then comes the lion who is the lamb. In John 5, John is told not to weep. Uh, Sorry, in verse 5, John is told not to weep because there is one. There is one who is worthy to open this scroll. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And John looks and sees this lion, and he sees a lamb. No wonder people sometimes say Revelation is weird. It is unusual, isn't it? Uh, what is all of this? Uh, well, the lion, of course, is Jesus. We know that. We've been singing about it already this morning. Uh, and we can make sense of it. It, it. it adds up, doesn't it? We know a bit about lions. They're, they are the king of the jungle. They're the top predator of the plains. Um, I gather when, when a cheetah or a hyena on the savannah Uh, Makes a kill, it eats it straight away, because there's always the risk that if a lion comes along, it will be chased away and it will lose its feast. But when the lion has its dinner, well, it can go to sleep next to it, because it is it's the king, it's the one who cannot be chased away. There's a reason Disney called its film The Lion King, isn't there? It's what a lion represents. Jesus is the Lion King, and this idea of Strength and power is why Jesus is called the Lion of the Tribe of Judah here. It's picking up on Jacob's prophecies about Judah and his descendants in in the end of the book of Genesis. Uh, He's the Alpha male, the Lion of Judah. And we see that in Jesus' ministry, don't we? He commands storms, he turns over tables. He's a king to have confidence in, a monarch not to mess with. He will grow old and not lose his power. He's not like those lions on David Attenborough who finally get overthrown by the younger ones. He's the one worthy to open the scroll with all its seals because he has conquered and it's permanent and it's definitive. But then, imagine John's surprise, maybe not so surprising to us because we've heard it before, But he turns and he looks to see what this great lion is like. And there in the middle of the throne of heaven is not a lion, but a lamb. And a lamb that looks as though it has been slain. See, it makes sense, doesn't it, to think of a lion as the the king of creation, but a lamb. And a slain lamb at that. It's hard to imagine a less king-like creature, isn't it? But that's what's revealed to John here in these verses. That's what he sees the symbol of kingship and power replaced by one of servanthood and sacrifice. As one writer puts it, the animal that can rip all other creatures to shreds comes in the form of the one that gets carved up for Sunday lunch. Somehow this is a different sort of king to any that we might imagine. Now again, for many of us this is not a surprise if you know the gospel perhaps it seems obvious how Jesus can be both the lion of Judah and the lamb that was slain but I want to suggest that we mustn't take this strange and surprising image for granted and that once again as we head into this new year it is good to be reminded of our Lord who is both the lion and the lamb the conqueror and the sacrifice and keep that at the forefront of our minds I think sometimes in churches we tend to emphasize the slain lamb and need to be reminded that he is still the conquering lion. In fact, the seven horns on the lamb are a symbol of his power and authority. The seven eyes represent the fullness of God's Holy Spirit, filling him as he carries out all of God's sovereign plans. There is something very right about remembering and recognizing that Jesus came to us weak and helpless. In many ways, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Uh, The baby born in the manger, the great cost involved in becoming human and stepping into the darkness to bring us into the light. But we mustn't think that when Jesus did this, he suddenly became powerless uh, and at the mercy of his enemies, because that is not the case. It's not that Jesus can do nothing to help himself in his ministry. Just look at his miracles and what he does. No, it's that he chooses not to do that. That's what it means for him to be the lion who is also the lamb. Uh, You might remember when Jesus is arrested uh, in the garden in Matthew 26 when his disciples start to draw swords and one of them chops off the, the ear of the servant of the high priest and Jesus tells them to put their swords away. And says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? He could do that, but he doesn't. That's the key thing about Jesus. He could destroy the sinful, but he chooses not to. Throughout his life, even at the cross, he is the Lion of Judah. He's able to blast his enemies with nothing more than a word if he chooses to. He is sovereign. He is wild. He's not tame. He's in control. He chooses his own course. No one else chooses it for him. And he chooses the course of the Lamb. And that is the power of this vision for us. If we want to seek to be those who follow him in 2023. It's the fact that Jesus is both the conquering lion who is able to bring judgment and destruction on everything and everyone who deserves it, but who doesn't. That's what makes the cross so amazing. Because he is the lamb. Uh, When we read The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or maybe you've watched the film of it, what is it that makes the, the scene of Aslan's death at the stone table so moving? In many ways, it's not that he can't fight back because he could, but it's that he doesn't. He chooses not to. And that is what Jesus is like us. So what difference does this make for us Um, in our lives as individuals and collectively uh, as a church as we head into a new year? I mean, the news is not good, is it? If you watch the news, if you turn on the telly, if you read it, uh, wars and crises abound. It seems there are things which maybe a few years ago seemed distant, maybe we were insulated from, which feel a bit nearer now. You know, even if it's just things like bills and, and wages and inflation, health fears, health service fears maybe. Maybe you've got particular things, more personal things that are very much on your mind, praying on your mind this January. And as a church, how will we be the people God calls us to be this year? Uh, in one sense, nothing changes, of course. We, we put out a card with some priorities But the basic calling of God on our lives is the same as it was in December or as it was last year or in all previous years. We sometimes speak in terms of our our foundations being about belonging and about growing and multiplying and serving. They're just ways of expressing God's call on our lives together. And this year we've got these three particular focuses. And as the Lord leads us in these things... And as he leads us as individuals in whatever it is we face, we need to start by holding on to this vision of Jesus, the conqueror and the one who gives himself for us. So what does that mean for us? Well, here are three suggestions as I close. First of all, remember Jesus rules. He is sovereign over all things. Did you see that in verse 12? He is worthy to receive all power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Verse 13, he's the one who sits on the throne. He reigns. It means that all of our plans are subject to him. We can write whatever we like on a card. We can make whatever resolutions we choose to. We can work towards making them a reality and that's a good thing. But it's Jesus who is in charge And first and foremost, we need to be committed to praying to him, seeking his face, individually and collectively, as we go into this new year. That's the first call for us, to trust the sovereign and pray to him. Secondly, if he is the lion and the lamb, it means he is worthy of our worship in verse 9, in response to the Lamb taking the scroll, the whole of creation and the people of God have a new song. It says they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And the worship continues, doesn't it? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Uh, I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. Whatever else we do in 2023, we worship the lamb who is the lion. Um, There are many things which will clamor for our worship in the coming months. Lots of them are good things, you know, family, health, money, things that we need, things that we should pay attention to. They're just not good to worship. There's only one who is worthy of our worship and our adoration. And that's Jesus himself. What does it look like for you to prioritize your worship of Jesus in the coming 12 months? He rules. He's worth worshiping. Last of all, there is no need to weep. Verse 3, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And when John is told not to weep, and by implication we're told not to weep, that's not, a, that's not a, an insensitive don't care about the things which hurt. There are many things, aren't there, in our lives and in the world which make us weep. And it's not surprising, given the world that we live in. But there's a sense here of, do not weep in despair. Do not weep in despair. Um, There are some tough things out there, but he has triumphed. He has conquered. He's conquered sin and death and all the powers at the cross. The great obstacle to our salvation has been removed the creation will be renewed he is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll do not weep in despair that the world is heading for disaster and there is nothing that can be done about it because the lion of judah does reign god's plans have been not only revealed but he has carried them out and the fact that jesus has overcome is the basis for these early christian believers to continue to persevere and to overcome themselves. And it is for us too, by his grace. So whatever we may face in 2023, the Lion of Judah has opened the scroll. Amen.